0: I want to look at Ephesians chapter two, the first three verses, and I was putting the PowerPoint together in the in the title page. I just didn't actually do one exactly like what you normally would, but I just put a couple three thoughts on the board, and then I put a had a fourth one on there, and it's like, wow. I put on there according to the course of this world, according to the power of the uh, the prince of the power of the air, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and then I put up the other one that's dead in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, and I could say enough. We're going to read these verses here in just a moment, but if we just if we live according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and we fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind, that's what we are. We're dead. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom you also... We also once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. I want us to look at... Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to have to do it this way. We can do this. All right. All right. If you'll notice, my little thing there's the scripture and uh, and he made alive i have that's in italics in probably in your scriptures your bible it is in mine mine and it is in a lot but not all and the translators so i understand have put those italics in there to make this thing make more sense if you will or or to help but that's not always maybe the best thing if you look at the new american standard bible in the 95 version and you were dead in your trespasses and sins it doesn't say you were made alive you were dead in your trespasses and sins and the english standard version says you were dead in the tresp- in the trespasses and sins the niv it says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins but Young's literal translation says, and you also, are also you being dead in the trespasses and sins. So that he made alive part is really not in there until we get to verse 5. So the thought is, you know, that it, it's there, but it's not there in that verse. And so I want us to look at these verses as though that part of he made alive, you he made alive, and some other things, such as uh, the once the and the were and the were and the prince, that, that, that part, the you once were, and that's not there. I'm just going to act like it's not there right now. We're going to come back to it. But it's just, really, it's just not there. But what he's talking about and what we just read is not some particularly decadent segment of society. He's just talking about everyday life. Men everywhere, men not in good standing with God. You'll notice the prince and the spirit that was in there, and the world and the flesh a couple times, and mind, and of course trespasses and sins, and walked and conducted ourselves in fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So those things don't point to a good picture do they? Except for you once were that way. So let's look then just to kind of take it part of a verse by part of a verse. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And what's that cause of death? It's pretty simple. Trespasses and sins. That's the reason that God would punish us is because we sin. We're real familiar with sin. Trespasses means to slip or fall. So someone might lose their way additionally and stray from the right road. And sins is, a, from what I understand, a shooting word. Literally, you, you draw the bow back and you shoot at your target and you miss. So it literally means a miss, a miss shooting at the target. And so sin is a failure to hit the target. And that target is life eternal life I might add. So these words sin and trespass really are probably placed together as synonyms slightly different meanings but they're put together for probably added emphasis. And you were dead in your trespass and sin. Death is not the soul separated from the body. Now, it's not just, I'm dead, I, I don't breathe anymore. But it's abiding in the body, pursuing the desires of the flesh, living in sin. It's not lifeless physically, not extinction or annihilation. You're dead, but you're alive physically. But it's the absence of a spiritual life, of spiritual union with God, who gives us life, their souls were dead. They were condemned, worse than that, condemned to eternal destruction. And that's the worst part, is it doesn't have to be that way. These people in Ephesians, these Gentile brethren had found out, and they had been that way, but they learned and they changed. And I understand that we all, adults in here, are, are in that same boat. We once lived that way, but we've changed. But this is, will help us and remind us of some things. All right. I've got to make sure I keep it on the right one. All right. And so this process of sin... We will look at a sin that's being done, and we are looking at it with shock. We don't. Uh, we would look at with shock at somebody who takes drugs all the time, or somebody who kills somebody, or somebody who is a thief. We never do that, and we look at horror with things that like that that happen. But sinning, and, and we might do some sin and have a, just a, an uneasy feeling, a sick feeling about what we've done that got, us in the, uh, that got us away from God. And then comes that step of we do something and we do it, and we don't have a second thought about it. It just becomes part of us. That's just what we do. So each sin then would make sinning easier. In the end, it kills a soul. Now, again, we don't, we we think of the terrible sins as, well, the guy that does this is is awful. But, you know, there are sins, a lot of them, that are just just not awful by society's standards. How am I, as a husband, how am I doing? Is my, when I get home from work, does my wife know why I had not had a good day? Does she? Can happen, hope not, but it can happen. Bad days are not foreign to us, are they? Sometimes it just doesn't work out right some days. But do I take it out on her? Or how about my wife? Does she, does she, she nag? <laughs> I don't know. I just use that. I don't. You know, it just some things that just happen sometimes. I'm just making an example. I don't know of anybody that in here that does, but I'm just just thought. Or so I do. It uh, make it easier for my wife, or does she make it easier for me? Does my, does my mood affect everybody? How about my children? Do I bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Do I do that? Is that part of what we do with my kids? I see good things from the children here, I might say, so I'm not uh, casting anything at anyone. But there's a whole host of things that we just don't think of as terrible parts of society that are acceptable to society, but probably not to God. Most likely, there's a lot of stuff in our lives that just, possibly, there's just not acceptable to God. Look at James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. James chapter 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. There's this little. It seems like this idea comes along. This temptation comes along. This embryo of a thought that I can sin, and it works its way unto full grown, and it brings forth death. Tempted, we're enticed. The desire has conceived. It gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it says in James here, it brings forth death. We're all guilty of sin in our lives. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Lord in our lives. In Ephesians... Chapter two, verse two, it says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This was actually the verse that was on the board, on the the bulletin board, and so I just added the other parts to it. But when we understand that we're living according to the course of the world, that we live in harmony with the world. There's no difference between us and the world. You know, a football team or a basketball team, how about the basketball team? The NCAA tournament is, is going on right now, and these teams are, have practiced so much and played so many games that these are the best. And, and the reason they are is because they work together so well. Their offense and their defense are in harmony with each other, with each player. And so they know uh, by practice what each player is going to do. And so they work in harmony. And you recognize them as a team. But we live in harmony with the world when we decide to do those things that, according, that are according to the course of the world. So we take step after step after step after step in the world we just keep walking that way in philippians chapter 3 in verse 18 says for many walk of whom i have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of christ again we recognize that the terrible sins the murders and and that, we recognize that, you know, that's just wrong, that's just wrong. But when we don't live and do the uh, right and do the little things that doesn't seem so wrong, we don't consider ourselves enemies of the cross of Christ, do we? But that in effect is what we are when we live according to the course of the world. We're enemies. Paul says, I tell you even weeping. It's a very sad situation for Paul that people would live like that. They're enemies of the cross of Christ in Philippians 3, verse 18. We have the, the, uh, if you live according to the course of this world, there's a prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You recognize him, By Satan, he's not unknown. But he's the ruler. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus recognized him as the ruler of this world. That he has control and authority because of his influence. He can't do anything physically to Evan or me. But he can place temptations where they need to be, and they need to be everywhere for us, for him. And so he, has, he is the ruler of this whole world because virtually the whole world has surrendered to him. And we are his voluntary slaves. We just meekly follow him along, doing just, just not terrible things, just living life large sometimes. And we just follow right in his footsteps. <coughs> he's a, it's a force, a spirit at work in, in worldly people. We have adopted uh, his characteristics, Satan's characteristics. And we live with him being our ruler because he's given us all these ideas for us to follow. And we do that. So we adopt that spirit. It characterizes him. Look in John chapter 8 verse 44. John chapter 8 verse 44. John 8 44 it says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. And so when we live according to the course of the world, he is our ruler. And Jesus says, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, the devil, you want to do. That's what the world is. We're better than that. We're better than that. In Colossians chapter three, verses five and six. Colossians three, verses five and six. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. He's the, prince, he's the ruler. He's the prince of the power of the air who now works in the sons, uh, power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. We belong to him when we're that way. So what we've done is, are the things we're doing are is fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. That that fulfilling is the connotation of making a way or opening a way, making a path for the sin in our lives, for his influence in our lives. I, I think of the uh, in, in in World War II there was these big ships that had the the troops would get in these ships and. Uh, They would just open up supplies and some of these uh, troop ships and supplies would just go out this big hole in the front of a ship. And that's the way I see this. They were letting troops out to go fight. But we open up and we let Satan come in with all that he has. We make it easier to sin because we listen to him, to indulge in all these lusts of the flesh and of the mind. The flesh is the sensuous cravings that we have. The mind is the understanding and the emotions. And through these two things right here, we satisfy every carnal pleasure. Everything that man wants to do, he can do. These desires are what one wishes to bring about by one's own actions, these evil desires. That's what we want. And we're going to do what it takes to do them, it seems. In Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's how we were. That's how these people in Ephesus were. That's how the, uh, the, the Titus, the people he, that he's with, that's how they were. We were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Verse 4 says, But when the kindness of, and the love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, He loves us, and he cares for us. We were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So when we live according to the, 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 the world, following the ruler of the power of the air and fulfilling every desire of the flesh and of the mind, we're by nature children of wrath just like everybody else, just like everybody else. So the continued practice of sin gives us a nature in which we choose to sin. By habitual practice, that's what we do. And that becomes our nature. The code of conduct is determined by this present evil age. they had grown up in wrath and become slaves to it. There's some, there's some mean stuff goes on now. You ever, you ever notice the news? I, I try not to even watch the news anymore. But there's some meanness going on. There's wrath out there. But what's important is that this is all without God, and we don't have that situation in our lives. We have God in our lives. But without God, desires or the Lord in control. Have you ever thought about that? that the, 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 we're going to have a ruler. It's either God or it's the ruler of this world, and the desires that he brings to us, they're really in control. And so this walk is loathsome to God. And wrath, living in wrath, being a part of it, wrath's going to be the punishment, and it's going to be God's wrath. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, let's read those. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Let me just read all of it. Let's begin in verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we, were, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The good news is, that they had been like that, but now God has not stayed out of the picture because he loves us, because of his great love with which he loved us. When we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. He made us alive. There's that phrase. He made us alive together with Christ, for by grace we've been saved. So God... alongside God's wrath is God's love, thankfully. Thankfully. Because He has the power to save. We can't do anything of our own. It's He that does it. We obey. He sets the standard. He is the standard. We obey. What did He do? Because of the predicament we we were in, in sin, fulfilling all these lusts, He gave us His Son. And that from His death, we might be brought to him uh, when we obey. And he seated him in glory, and he made us alive also so that we can be in glory with him. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, and when we do, we're invincible, that we can withstand the wiles, or some translations say the schemes of the devil. And when we do, we have this armor on that he has given us. We can be invincible. God's wrath is his reaction to only one thing, and that's sin. It's evil. He won't zap us because we're great. He won't punish us forever because we're doing what he wants us to do. It's only because of sin that he has a reaction in, in its wrath. He doesn't lose control. It's not some fit of anger in which he works on us because we this is his what he does because he hates sin. We know we hate sin. So it's not our fault that he's going to punish us if we live in sin. It's it's not his fault. It's our fault. But he loves us And he gave his son to save us. And he says he loves us with that great love. And there's a quote here. And I'm pretty bad about not citing it. But anyway, sin no longer is an internal force controlling us. But an external force trying to invade. Trying to get back in. And appeal to our fleshly desires. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 Paul writes, do not give place to the devil. Don't give the devil an opportunity or room. Don't give him that that place. Let's conclude. In Colossians 1, verses 21 and 22, it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. We were alienated. That means we were not in His family. We were enemies by wicked works. But He reconciled us. He brought us to Him, changed us, and made us acceptable. And that way we can be in His sight holy and blameless and above above reproach. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, in verses 24 and 32, to his father, this prodigal son was dead. But when he came back, he is alive. It's interesting. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. He's given us the kingdom to hold us together, to bring us together so that we can be with him forever. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. He's delivered us from the the one who rules so that we can be with him because of his great love for us. Open your song books, number 273, 273. We'll sing this song in just a moment. It says, I'm not ashamed to own my Lord, nor to defend his cause. Maintain the honor of his word, the glory of his cross. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord. If you need to respond to the gospel, some sin in your life that needs to be taken care of, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?